What's Hot in the Strip Clubs. Your hosts, the 2016 and 2017 recipients of the Exotic Dancer Publications DJ of the Year Award, Danny Myers and Alon Fong. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. We are found on all major streaming platforms, or you can go to our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. I'm your host, Elon Fong. Now, let me explain. Behind the Curtain is a strip club industry podcast. So, now what we're doing behind the curtain is pulling back the proverbial curtain to show you kind of how the business operates, what a legit business it can be, uh, some of the mechanisms that allow us to be successful at what we do. And most importantly, to introduce you to the really interesting people that work in the industry and who have many talents that go far and above and beyond just the strip club industry, not to mention the talents they have in the industry. So today is no exception. My guest today is a great guy who I've gotten to know over the last eight years. Uh, he hails from Dallas, Texas now. He's kind of lived all over. We'll let him explain that to you. Fort Worth, Texas m- now. Where in Texas? I'm in Fort Worth now. Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. I sold Fort my Worth. house in Dallas last year. Damn. All right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, he's a multi-talented guy. I know he used to be an electrician <laughs> at one point. DJ, uh-huh. guitarist, songwriter, band leader, director, TV show writer, producer, actor, uh, movie writer, producer, director, actor, podcaster. Uh, am I missing anything? <laughs> Carpenter. Carpenter. I, <laughs> Jesus. Ladies and I'm, gentlemen, I'm kidding, but yeah. James Randall, the founder of uh, and CEO of Real Unicorn Productions, I might add. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to see you, Elon. Yeah, you, you're, you're You're right. We definitely have gotten to know each other over the last eight years. And for those of you that tuned into the show, I already probably know, but I'm going to have to expound upon Elon Fong's praises right now. Uh-oh. He's a stalwart, stalwart, steadfast presence in the industry. And one of the better people in the industry I've met. I've met plenty. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, I would put it this way. If I had a daughter that chose to do strip club stuff, I would hope that Elon would be her DJ. Oh, wow. That's a huge compliment. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Bet. I mean that. I, I feel you. As a father, I can totally understand. A father of a yeah. son, <laughs> but as a daughter, I'm just glad I didn't have a daughter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I Believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man. So uh, you came to mind for this show because of the, all the things you do. For One of the reasons I respect you so much is... You are self-taught in 99% of this stuff, which is incredible. So the discipline and drive uh, to to accomplish what you've accomplished is mind-blowing. It's also an inspiration. You constantly inspire me when I'm being lazy or uh, not getting stuff done or whatever. I'm like, man, fuck, James would, <laughs> James would get this done. He would get this done. So uh, I'm still not as motivated and disciplined as you are. So my you know, I, to you. I would actually – I would say for that that I don't see it that way because sure. – so, you know, as good friends we've become, we're from different generations. Uh, you're a little older than me. Yes. Um, my generation was the one that first got the internet. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of, to me, we've been kind of spoon-fed. If you were, you know, and for the audience listening, I'm 41. So I came up right when cell phones were just coming out such. Mm-hmm. I had the little blue light-up Nokia phone with the lightning bolt antenna and all that nonsense. <laughs> you know, um, but we had the internet and it was really readily apparent to me what you know what a changing thing that was going to be for everybody sure and i just took advantage of it so i wouldn't say i was self-taught i would say that i was group taught by strangers on the internet and i was one of those guys that was lucky enough to be when it first was coming out Mm -hmm. i was watching youtube videos i was watching these new videos where people could just talk to you and say hey i do this this is how it's done 
Where as opposed to like maybe your generation or my parents' generation before you, they didn't have that option, you know? And I always relate it to something I call the Haynes manual effect. So for those that are into cars and are old enough to know, they used to make a thing called a Haynes manual. And you'd spend about 25 bucks to pick one up at AutoZone. And whatever car you had, it was a manual for your car. And you would leaf through it like an encyclopedia. And you could fix your car using this manual. Wow. And so most people had them in their glove box. For me growing yeah. up, I, okay, you know. That's what they're called. Yeah, they would have their hands. Called. Google it, man. Google it. It's crazy. This was a real thing back then. Like, it's the same as um, Maps Go or whatever. We would have maps that we'd have to dig through instead of yeah. we have navigation now, you know. And so basically, I was lucky enough to, anything I wanted to know, you could just see right there on the internet. And I was dirt poor. So I spent a lot of my time reading as it is. And then I spent a lot of my time just on the internet learning how to do different things. And so it was cool where every time I got a job, I could just get online and be like, have you done this job? And find out pointers. And you'd get good at it just because yeah. other people have done it and you listen to their wisdom. And, you know, I'm, I was one of the first generation people to have the internet. So now 20 years later, seeing what it's become, I know how to sift through the BS, if you will. I don't know if we curse on here or whatever, but yeah. I can sift through the BS and actually get to the knowledge. And there is like, to me, there really is no excuse for not accomplishing everything you want to do because you can learn it on the internet right now. Somebody can teach you that's a professional. And as long as you're open-minded and willing to take that information in and go apply it in real life, it's nothing you can't do. Man, that is a really insightful perspective. I've never heard it said that way. Because like my generation, like you said, encyclopedias. So for those younger listeners out there, <laughs> an encyclopedia. I grew up loving encyclopedia, yeah. Was a thick series of books, A to Z, that were like, <laughs> you know, a thousand pages long each with pictures and mm-hmm. lots of words that uh, alphabetically mm-hmm. had information on whatever topic you would be interested in. And you would yes. have to go pull it off the shelf and they would get updated every other year, I think. And so, it was alphabetical. So like subject you're looking right. for, if you're looking for like mechanic, you got to go to find the M book. Right, exactly. <laughs> but so, I would go to friends' houses where their parents had these beautiful encyclopedia collections. Yeah. And I was always so jealous. We're poor, you know? Yeah. We couldn't afford that. And so like, I know one year my dad, who I didn't get along with very well, gifted me a set of encyclopedia books and I read them cover wow. to cover because I was just fascinated by all the stuff that was in there. See, but that's what I'm talking about, James. What? Yes, that part of the generational, but you yourself have such a, a, a starving mentality towards knowledge and information. And, you know, that's something I, my father used to always tell me, you know, the day you stop learning is the day you die. And that's something, you know, you have to always keep learning and keep growing and keep changing. The difference is my generation, maybe uh, for the YouTuber, and some of it's personal, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. some of the issues around it uh, is that, you know, you've got to be able to push past your boundaries. Our friend, uh, Willard Barth, who's been on the show, you know, uh, life begins. I love Willard Barth, man. Yeah, Willard's great, right? Life begins at your comfort zone. And he made me, talking to him reignited that in me and made me start pushing outside that. As you know, this pivot here into podcasting, among other things, is one of the things that I've been pushing for. Let's go back, though. This show's about you. So let's go back. So you you mentioned, you know, you are uh, half Peruvian, I think. Your mom was- uh, from Peru. My right? mom was born in Cusco, Peru. Okay. And so let's talk a little bit about your family background, because as with most people, okay. their family of origin had a huge impact on their life. So you've mentioned you didn't sure. know your father, but let's, let's talk about the positive about your fa- positives about your father yeah. first, and then your mother's, how she came into it and the influence there. Okay. So, um, I guess we're starting with my father. He was, um, 
my father was your basic uh Kansas farmer. Mm-hmm. I guess you would say he grew up with, you know, under my grandma and grandpa's care. Um, my grandfather was actually my step grandfather. Uh, he was Kent? a Wait, World War II. Your dad was Superman? Yeah, no, he's not Clark Kent. <laughs> okay. For a minute, I was going to go, wait a second. I've heard this story. Kansas uh, if you, farmer if you replaced in a e field. Kent with a U, maybe we're close. But, <laughs> oh. you know. um, I've been very open about this. The few people who have talked to me about it. Um, I do not speak to my father. I have not spoken to my father in 20-something years. Wow. He okay. is a racist. Uh, he grew up heavy in the Kansas farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, he literally grew up teaching us to hate black people. Like, wow. no joke. That wow. was his thing. He was very big into the whole, like, don't race mix, this and that, which was always absurd to me because I'm like, Dad, you married someone from right? Peru. She's pretty brown, my friend. Like, you know? <laughs> um, but that was that mentality back then. And, you know, it was kind of the one redeeming thing I will say about my father, other than that he taught me to be a man, was that he did overcome that later. Okay. You know, as the years went by and he started working with different people as he went into his job and met black people and met everybody else, he toned it down a lot. But the, the my early years, I always remember that from him. And I remember it to this day because, you know, my best friend is a my producer, Sherman, is black, dude. So right. it's always weird to me that I came from that, you know. Mm-hmm. But he was literally a farm boy in Kansas back. He was born in like 1960. Okay. So, I mean, it was right in that time frame where he was raised that way and everyone around him was raised that way. And that's what he thought. Sure. It's a small town guy. Right. Yeah. It just turned out that he happened to be very good at mechanical things. So he could basically like a tractor breaks down and with no experience, he could walk over and be like, tinker with it for a minute, and break it down and be like, oh, I fixed it. Wow. And that ended up working out very well for him. He went on like uh, the last I heard he was like an AutoCAD designer. If. For anybody okay. that knows AutoCAD engineering and that kind of stuff, I started some of that in college, but it's basically like a 3D modeling program. I don't know what mm-hmm. it's doing now, mm-hmm. but he went on to learn and be self-taught and all that stuff. But he was your typical stubborn, conservative, angry, you know, I just want to come home and have my wife bring me a plate of dinner and kick my feet up and watch whatever stupid show it was, which was Married with Children, which we bonded over a lot. <laughs> uh, that was his show, you know, and the, but um, he... He absolutely was the typical, like, if you don't get this right, I'm going to knock the crap out of you kind of guy. And it was always about, you know, it was always about this contradictory philosophy with him, which is where we had issues. Sure. Because, you know, while I don't consider myself any kind of genius, like, I'm not stupid either. So if I see that your philosophy and the way you live contradict each other, I'm going to have questions, you know. So while he's telling me about honor and being a real man and taking care of your family and the people around you, he was also very exclusionary towards certain people around him. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And so I would pester him about it, but he never wanted to confront it or talk about it head on, which is fine. I mean, he's an old guy, right? Yeah. So it is hey, what it is. Old. You get set in your ways after a while, <laughs> I guess, you know? And uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I learned to... Um, do a lot of things because of him, but ultimately it was my granddad that taught me what I would say my formative years things. Mm-hmm. Because at a point, you know, my mother being from Peru wasn't working at a time. And we stayed with my grandparents for like three or four years while my dad lived in Dallas and Your we lived in Mediola. Yes. Okay. Which was my grandmother and her my granddad, who I call my granddad, who really raised me, but he wasn't my real granddad, if you will. Okay. 
Um, we stayed with them for like three or four years while he was working in Dallas and we were living in Mineola and surrounding areas, okay. which is a small town in Texas where we had land. So I grew up on a farm, basically, okay. I guess you'd say, which was my grandparents. And uh, my dad would come in on the weekends. He'd drive in from Dallas, but he was staying out there in an apartment and working whatever job he could get to try and because they wanted to build, they wanted to buy a house and et cetera, et cetera. And back then, which, you know, is like the uh, mid eighties, is mm-hmm. around where I was born and they're doing all this. They were really trying to get in and get in the housing market. It was kind of crazy. They didn't want to live in the hood. We ended up living in the hood. Um, one day, like people were just walking down our street, just shooting guns off in the air. Wow. And my parents were like, we've had enough of this. And uh, really the funny part about this that no one talks about because they just don't want to is like my mom was more racist than my dad. because She came from Peru. Okay. There are no black people in Peru. Ah, she'd never seen one in her life until she came to America. Interesting. There were no Mexican people in Peru. There were wow. no Chinese people in Peru. Peruvian people, homogenous as can be. It's like going really? to Japan. Yes. Interesting. I did not know that. And they, as a people, are very, very, very into their looks. They're very vain. Okay. Um, you are publicly shamed in Peru if you're fat. Really? Yeah. They don't. They don't deal with it. It's like China. Like you know, in China, you're publicly shamed if you're fat. That's not something they tolerate. I don't know that's if that's a, true. I know some. Oh, believe me. Ask around. I am Chinese. You realize that. I know you are. I have but family over there. I got a lot of friends from China that are like, nope, we don't do that. You know, so maybe my sample size is different. Your sample I was going to say, because I know some obese uh, Chinese people <laughs> over there and they don't seem to have a problem with it. But okay, oh, I know they don't care as much when they're rich. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like they were kind of like the couple made for each other. It seems like, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah. I guess they got to put you to um, the boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> but because she because she came from another country, she obviously was struggling to learn language. OK, comes here. She already knew some um, English. Uh, my mother's side is very wealthy in Peru. They okay. were like they owned a pizza chain. Oh, wow. And so they brought pizza from America to Peru and they cashed it, you know, ah, smart. But at the same time, they were also like, hey, the only money we're spending is getting your ass to America. Oh, so okay. they paid the money for my mom to and the, they were sent up to. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess what city in Florida they were sent to? Miami. How'd you know, my friend? Mm, I can't imagine. <laughs> because the Latinos are always sent through That's Miami, right. man. That's right. That's you right. immigrate and stuff, you know. But it was um, it was very impactful because I got to meet my Peruvian family. I've been to Peru oh. multiple times. And they're always so proud because, and this is where a lot of people mistake me for being some crazy conservative right winger. I am a heavy free speech advocate. Okay. Free speech means the world to me. Like my mom wanted to come in. She literally said, I came to America to have kids mm-hmm. so they could have all the things I couldn't have, like free speech, sure. the right to vote, you know, like all these things that we take for granted. Yeah. Doesn't happen in Peru. Yeah. Like you vote, but, you know, the guy that's taking your vote might just throw in the trash. Nobody cares or even looks into it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, a, I don't want to say a communist country, but it's kind of like that South American, you know, dictatorship type thing where, yeah, we have these things, but we don't really have these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. My, I mean, my father came from China, uh, literally yeah. got out as Mao Zedong was shutting down the country and, you know, he made it mm. over here. Mm-hmm. America. So he, my father was very, you know, he loved this country. But he also yeah. said, he's he always said question authority. I remember him. He he wrote letters all the time to the governor, to the president, 
to yeah, of course. You know, every every representative he could when he's like, I remember one of the things that always stuck out. Uh, my dad and I weren't super close either. I was the artist, wanted to be an actor and rock star and all that stuff. And he was a nuclear. <laughs> and they, they don't appreciate that, right? No, he was a nuclear engineer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But I remember my parents wanted me to be a doctor and instead I was a musician. They were not happy. about that. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But <laughs> I remember when uh, Tandem and Square happened and my father was just screaming at the television, you know, President Bush, why don't you do something? You know, this is they've been doing this for decades, for generations. Nothing has changed. Yeah. This is China. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was so upset. And I, the first time I ever saw my dad really get that upset. So it sticks out of my mind. But let me back up a little bit. That's so, great. That's great. I love hearing that. I've never yeah. heard that from you. Yeah. 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 Wow, um, relatable. Yeah, very much so. You know, so again, he loved this country, but he also knew that there was a bunch of things wrong with it too. So he was always about improving. Yes. You know and the mean? funny thing about that is that the uh, like, so I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think there is a part that's going wrong in our internal conversation within this country where yes. people don't think like if I say to me, this is the best country in the world, they take it as it's perfect. Correct. And I'm not saying it's perfect. God, no. I'm just saying for what we are, it's the yeah. best in the world. Absolutely. I'm absolutely down to fix problems because that's what I am at heart. I, I consider myself a problem solver. I solve problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I did that as an electrician, you know, like as a DJ, you do it every day. You already know sure. that. Absolutely. But it, it's, I, I'm tired of us boiling conversation down to where it's like, okay, well, if you believe this and you also believe this, 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 and this, so it's oh, not true, man. That's me crazy. Just because I love this country and I believe it's the best country on the planet currently, currently, doesn't mean I think it doesn't have problems. It absolutely yeah, has course. problems. I think the biggest problem we have, though, is we're not actually talking about problems. That they say we don't communicate anymore, and and now we have to compromise. That's what this country was built on, right? There's, as you can see now, people are a little less willing to compromise. I blame yes. the internet for that. We'll get into that later. Yeah, but I will say that as it pertains to me growing up as a '90s kid, mm -hmm. as a '90s kid, I never heard about racism, right? Yeah, As a it, '90s kid, all they taught us was supposed to love everybody. Yeah, so it was a culture shock for me, I guess you'd say, when 2020 ran around. Now everybody's like, everyone's country's racist and everybody hates yeah. each other. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I was in the, I grew up in the '90s. We were the generation of kids that were taught by our parents and the schools by the schools that yeah. this man and this man and this lady and everybody else, or even the they them's, they have the same rights as anybody else. Absolutely, and they're the same as you. Yep. And so we never saw that kind of thing, you know? So back in the 90s and the early 2000s, you were proud if you, quote unquote, didn't see color, as opposed to now it's somehow bad if you don't see color, which I find strange. Very it strange. Is, it is, a kid growing up from that, I thought going to school and learning these things and then coming home and seeing actual racism and then going to school and being like, well, my my friend in school is black and this guy's Mexican and, you know, I'm Peruvian or half and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And none of this matters because we're all going to play Dungeons and Dragons together. It doesn't matter what color you are. <laughs> and that's how I grew up. So yeah. I, I, I've operated my entire life after leaving the house upon that premise. And now now suddenly it's this weird thing that I don't get where it just seems more like it's about. Again, the internet changed things, and now it's about trying to make money. And the best way to make money is to profit off outrage. Yeah. And so you have to manufacture outrage. And you make people pick a side. But you know, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. But let's 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 get back to this here a little bit. Um, so the point I was going to make was that your father obviously was a man who was self-taught a lot of things, and you self-taught yes. yourself. Yes, to the internet and everything else. So that was a huge impact on you and influence. Your mm -hmm. mother 
who's an immigrant from Peru. I know you said mm -hmm. uh, to me personally that she ran a home daycare thing, but how? Oh did, my god! How did? Uh, I was gonna <laughs> struggle. You, I, I can only imagine having all those kids around. But how did music sort of come into your life? So we're a music podcast, so we, we have to we have to get to this part. And I know. Oh man, I'm so ready for that part. Band leader. So let let's talk how so music ready for got that into part, your life. man. Um, basically, so. As much as I hate to say it, because I always get, oh my god, people roll their eyes. I mean, it's, it's documented and all that stuff. You don't have, to, you don't have to think I'm smart to know that it's factual that when I was in elementary school, I was, it, I was put in gifted classes. Okay, mm -hmm. I took another bus every Wednesday from the school I was enrolled in to some quote unquote gifted school, right? Okay. And it was supposed to be this place where they just let you use your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, Elon. The video editing programs I used to this day were just coming out then, and the school had them. Oh, wow. So I started on the Adobe programs then. Really? And I, you, so when I start, so when I decided to make my first movie, I was like, oh my God, I've seen it. Where have I seen this? And I was like, my childhood. Wow, that's crazy. From school. Yeah. Um, so essentially, I was bored as can be in regular school. Mm -hmm. um, I hit, third fourth grade okay. and my music teacher because we had to take music back then it was not an elective that right, was actually right. required back right then. all of us at grade school you had to take like yeah every subject list just to see I, if you liked it or whatever it yeah was. i was one of those kids where i didn't do homework i could just show up and pass the test kind of mm -hmm. thing because i just read the book you know yeah. um when i read something i just i've got it you know what i mean attention. i read it, if i read it once or twice pff, down um but i prefer to learn by doing you know so I read all the books and all this nonsense. And so they gave us that stupid recorder. Do you remember getting the recorder in, <laughs> in middle? Yeah, exactly. The like the Legend of Zelda stuff. Like, yeah. you know? so, <laughs> like, she gave her the recorder and I was just like, I don't know. I have I have a uh, fast finger speed, ladies. Hey. And so basically I mastered the recorder in no time. And okay. she was like, wow, this is crazy. You're really talented. Have you ever considered doing this, 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 or that? No, no, I haven't. My parents are poor. They're not going to let me do anything. I don't know what you're talking about, lady. So I come home, I tell them, and basically my teacher went to my house to talk to my parents because growing up, I wasn't allowed to go outside of my house. Okay. My parents were hardcore Christian conservatives. Okay. Like people don't realize this about, you know, Spaniards and a lot of Latinos are super Christian. Oh, yeah. Like, very super much so. Catholic, this and that. I wasn't allowed to watch certain TV shows. I wasn't allowed to watch certain okay. movies. There's to this day, my girlfriend will be like, Hey, have you seen this? I watched it growing up. I'm like, no, I've never even heard of it. And she's like, how? And I'm like, because Christians, you know, <laughs> but Christians. So I told her, she wanted me to stay after class one day. And I told her, I can't do it. Like my parents are going to freak out. And she's like, I'm going to call your parents. And my parents came up, met her and all this stuff. And she's like, I think your kid's talented. I want to work with him. Do you mind? And they were like, yeah, sure. I guess, you know, whatever. Keeps them out of our hair for another hour after school or whatever. Right. So she started teaching me to sing. Okay. And after a couple of months, she was like, I'm going to have you try out for the all city choir in Mesquite. Holy crap. Which is a small town outside of Dallas, Texas. Right. Okay. And I was like, okay, whatever. I, I, I I'm a kid, dude. I don't care. Did it was like fun it? to me. Were you having fun? It was fun to me. It was, okay, it was good. more fun than coming home and listening to my parents yell at each other or whatever's going on, you know? Got it. And so I did it and I nailed it and got in. And That's then amazing. they were like, okay, we want to do all city Dallas. And then I got in. And then they were like, we want to do all state Texas. And I got in. Holy crap. And at that point is where my parents were like, all right, we're done with this. Because now there's a commitment. Like you have to drive me to like some other city to sing and this, this and that. So I only did it for like a year, but I got the 
stuff under my belt and yeah. I really enjoyed singing. I was having a great time doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, in that time, I realized that, because, okay, if you know math, you know music, mm -hmm. right? I, I yeah. confidently say that on a music podcast. Yeah. Well, the math was matching up in my head to me with the vocal notes I was singing and the snap bars. And so I started being able to read music because wow. I was starting to get it, you know? Right, 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 right. And so then I learned drums, I learned guitar, I learned bass, I learned violin. I was just picking up instruments, just running through them and learning all these instruments and stuff. And so like I've played multiple instruments for multiple bands. So you were like the half Peruvian prince of Texas. Nah, never that good. <laughs> <laughs> but I really loved it. Did you have a and one name, one one name, one word name as an artist? No. Oh, okay. Just checking. Nah, sorry. <laughs> Damn it. And so uh I I one night I, when I turned 15. Because I was now, get, I got my own job. Fifteen, I was starting to work. In Texas, mm -hmm. you could work at fifteen back then. Mm -hmm. I was making five twenty-five an hour. That was minimum wage. So I worked for a couple weeks and stuff, and I bought a guitar and an amp. Okay. And I came home, and you know, my parents were just beating on me endlessly about, you know, even though my grades are perfect, I, I had to have like, you had Asian parents. Well, my parents were kind of like Asian parents. They were right. like, hey. You only got an A minus. Why not A right. triple plus? A plus, you know, A, like, A plus, like, right, failure. Right. You know, like, yeah, right. So my grades are fine, and I bring home this equipment I purchased with one of my second, third paychecks, right? And I'm jamming out in the house, like turn that crap off. I don't want to hear this. Blah 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 blah. Right. And so I thought, okay, what's the best way to show my dad that this is what I want to do? My dad was a massive Van Halen fan, so I sat down. <laughs> Hey, I see you. He's got the oh man, yeah. Eddie Van Halen hoodie on. Sorry, folks, hey, you can't see that. So I literally said, okay. I, I sat down with Running with the Devil. I asked my um, I asked my uh band teacher at school. So I oh, I should say I joined the band. I joined the jazz band at school nice. as an excuse to take my instrument to all my classes. Got it. I didn't really care about being in the jazz band. And didn't all. you look cool walking around with your freaking guitar? I was, in I was sitting in the guitar. Like, I was sitting there in like English class in the background. They're like they couldn't do anything. So like, oh, he's in the jazz band. Like <laughs> you're like Even McConaughey in the back band. of the room. I played stand up bass in jazz band. That's awesome. <laughs> but I was bringing my electric guitar to school because no one knew any better. That's awesome. So Chicks I. Oh, no, no, no. He's a no. I was, a, I was 10,000 times the a-hole I am now, or even the a-hole you knew when you met me. So I was very anti all that stuff, right? I just wanted to go to school, get my time out of there, go hang out with my friends. I didn't care about any crap, right? All right, all right, all right. But so basically, I was like, I need an olive branch to extend to my dad. Got and it. the only way to meet him is musically, right? Okay. So my mom was into stuff like Rod Stewart, and Olivia okay. Newton-John, that kind of stuff. Yeah. My dad was ACDC, Foghat, yeah. Leonard Skinner, Van Halen, Motley Crue, that kind of stuff, right? Sure. So I decided, okay, what's the easiest, quote-unquote, Van Halen song I could learn to impress him? Right. So I learned Running with the Devil, including the solo. Wow. And so <laughs> one day, when I felt that confident enough, I walked into the living room, my little cheap amp and my guitar, and I said, Dad, I have something to show you. Oh. And he paused the TV, which is always like, you don't want to do yeah, that. That's a big deal. deal. And he looks at me and goes, what the hell do you want? And his jaw just dropped. And I'm rolling through the solo and everything. And he's yes. just like, 
that wasn't bad, son. <laughs> Which is his way of saying that was amazing. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you, I, I, man, if I could have gotten that out of my dad, if my dad had just gone Van Halen, mm-hmm. my mom did. It was funny. So my mom's Austrian. So oh, really? double immigrant, you know, so wow, part okay. European, part Asian. So she's gotcha. got this German accent. And I remember when I got into Van Halen, uh, mm-hmm. I would play Eruption and stuff. She's like, oh, how it reminds me of Bach. Because we had a, a baby Steinway piano and she would play classical okay. music. Oh, gorgeous. she's like, oh, that reminds me of Buck. <laughs> so she I liked Eddie. She I'm a huge Eddie. classical music nerd too. Like, I love that stuff. Awesome. Um, there, there's, there's more, more than one strip club I've worked at that will tell you that I've definitely played some Bach and Packable and and Beethoven remixes when I. Yep, just me too. Feel like messing with the crowd, you know? <laughs> People get into it though. I they love it. Of, it's crazy. Yeah, Beethoven's like, fifth and like oh I my know, God. right? Like Wolfgang Gardner does a great one. The, the sympathy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm over here like, yes, you get me, man. He really <laughs> but si- ever since then, he's, he left me alone. Absolutely. He was like, as long as this is a hobby and you can make a living, I don't care if you're playing guitar. All and right. I kind of think you're pretty good. Hold that like, thought. Right, We're going to take a little break here. We'll have sure. more with James Randall right after this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. We are back with James Randall, our guest on Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find us on all major streaming platforms and, of course, at our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. We are back with my friend and fellow DJ Panda member, James Randall from Dallas, Texas. We were just talking about his beginnings into music, how Van mm-hmm. Halen uh, forged the first connection with his father. As he, he is a young strapping lad at 15, he learned the guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what, what were some of the other? So rock, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, though. So despite the heavy religious Christianity, at least your parents were listening to secular music. So you amazing, right? Okay. Yeah, I believe me. They, they my parents are a cornucopia of just nonsense melted together with. I guess this is what I'm doing right now. Like, <laughs> it, they, you know, but that, that's the thing about it. And I, I personally, I used to despise religion. Like I used to despise religion and despise religious people. Even um, it's something I grew to not do. You know, 
I get that it helps some people. And so I'm for that. I'm for mm-hmm. it. If it helps you, you know, I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. That's fine. If you do great. If it brings something to your life that's positive, then who am I to tell you this is stupid? You know, right. even though I will absolutely tell you people that like things that they're stupid. Cause I just think that what they like is stupid, but that's just yeah. me messing with them, and the you know reactions I mean? are great. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. But uh, when it comes to religion, I, I've come to realize it's deeply personal and it really has, it's not my business. Right. Um, and also that religion has done a lot of good in the world. We all talk about the bad it's done, sure, and it should be criticized. To me, I see religion like America. Okay. It's done a lot of good and it's also done a lot of bad. It's up to you to decide whether personally it's more good or bad for you, if right. you will. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, my parents were super religious. So it really bled through everything mm-hmm. everything we did, what we listened to, what we could see, whether it was movies, TV shows music but they listened to popular music i mean my mom would be jamming you know rod stewart who's yeah. absolutely not christian do music, you think, think i'm sexy yeah in <laughs> fact it's funny enough uh in strip clubs to this day i'll still play the revolting cox version of, of do you think i'm sexy right version because my it reminds me of mom you know oh, like so I'll, I'll throw it on sometimes if i awesome. see a girl that you know looks that Mike's way or rocking. whatever yeah yeah um but you know my dad was super into all the 80s and 70s um he was just a rock only guy. Okay. Um, he was such a music fan, believe it or not, that when I turned 15 and I'd shown him that I liked Van Halen, he said, son, um, there's these new things out called CDs. <laughs> I, already, I already knew about. Come on, man, dad. Come on. I mean, we're talking. This is like the this is like the mid to late 90s. Okay. Okay. For, for context, he said, get in the truck. I'm going to show you good music. And then I'm taking you to the music store. That's cool. And I'm going to let you buy a CD. I'm paying for it. Whatever awesome. you choose. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to interfere. I'm just going to show you good music oh, and no. then see what you um, pick. You, yeah. You, oh, you, you know what's going on? Tupac all eyes on me, didn't you? Just ah, I wish I had. I love Tupac. Yeah, I love no. Tupac too. Um, we go to the music store. On the way there, he's playing, you know, just, just bangers, dude. Like my dad could have been an amazing 80s strip club DJ <laughs> with what he was playing. He could have been he Doc, Doc Rock. Rock. He could have been Doc Rock. Was like, I was just talking with a friend, uh, my friend Sherman earlier about Doc Rock. So shout out Doc Rock, man. We yes. love you, dude. You're, we're uh, we're going to get Doc man. Rock. The world has to experience Doc Rock. I'm going to get Absolutely. He, he's such a magnetic personality. Like, oh, you my just, God. Dude, I, if anyone has anything to say about bad about Doc Rock, I'm coming for you, bro. There's no way. We're There's smacking no way. upside the head. It's he's not an even, amazing guy. Doc Rock is such a nice guy and <laughs> fun guy. Yeah. I, don't, like I can't imagine you like not like it. I swear there, to God. There's something wrong with you as a human being. It's like you I don't will, have a soul. It's you not even you're damned Stamp, or you're evil. I'm stamping on that statement. You're just, just, they're just, there's a major disconnect between you and the universe. Truth, That's all I truth. can say. But so he's going through all the hits, man. I mean, my dad is just killing it on the radio. Um, just back and forth between all the greatest stuff. And we get to the music store. And he's like, all right, it's your turn to buy something. And this is before, I don't know if you remember this, but in the late 90s, they used to have, headphones and a little play button so you could kind of select yeah what's new in the store and kind of listen to it listening. before you bought it yeah. i know that the kids nowadays will never understand because they just open their phone and it's, I know, it's such bullshit like they don't yeah. they don't understand the joy and the art struggle is, of finding yeah. things oh man hunting and finding or finding out of print things yeah. record stores you awesome. dig through it and you'd find something marked down like two dollars you'd buy it yes. and you come home oh and there's like a hot track on it you're like man that's yeah believe me that that was a lot of fun. Everyone thought. Hey, we you spent kids, all our time. get off of my lawn, man! Everyone thought we spent all our time on Hot Topic in the late nineties. No record no. stores, man. Record like stores. 
So I walked in, in and I'm going to give you a, a wild guess what I bought as my very first CD, if you will. Um, and I'm in, remember, I'm from 90s. Texas. So do you want to guess? Oh, oh, late okay, 90s. Okay. It's, it's got to be Pantera. It was Pantera. Hey, hey, <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. So I bought the Cowboys from Hell album literally because I picked it up. And for those of you that have ever seen the cover of it, it's four guys in a bar jumping off things with their guitars. So you ever seen the, the cover from oh, yeah. Cowboys from Hell? You remember? And yeah. I was like, this looks cool, Dad. They're like Van Halen. And he's like, nobody's like Van Halen. But if you want it, I guess we're buying it. And so I got to play it in his truck on the way home. Do you like it? And I remember sitting there and I'm jamming. The Cowboys is the first song of the trap. Man, we're killing it. And he looks at me and I was like, oh, no, he's like this. He goes, this isn't bad, I guess, for your generation. <laughs> I was like, really? It's like, yeah, it kind of sounds like some of the stuff I was uh, growing up on. And I was like, all right, bet. <laughs> so we jammed the CD all the way home. Awesome. I wore that CD out, man. Yeah. Um, I had gotten my own job after that. So my second CD was Master of Puppets by Metallica. And then Ooh. my fate was sealed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just, just dead to the world now. It's all metal all the time. Like to this day. If I'm listening to music outside of the club, it's just blistering metal. <laughs> so let's talk about your bands for a second. So you had two sure. major ones, Southern mm -hmm. Steel first, I believe. And then what I kind of heard uh, about you with was uh, Far Beyond Redemption, FBR. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your two bands. Okay, so that's an easy one. So the first one, we cared. And we were very much about, we were trying to make good music, except when we're kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some touring and all that good stuff. Because it's back in the day when you could actually make money. Like bands, bands would make money. Bars would book you, pay five hundred dollars to show up right. play, and if you booked a bunch of and you know, hey, we're talking Summer, about early two thousands, mid mid two thousands, you can make a living doing it. Like there was yeah. times where I didn't work; I was just playing, and we'd wow, just go awesome. play. Yeah, can't do that now. It's completely different. Yeah. So FBR was my last band. That was later years. Okay. Now I haven't played guitar in like five years or done anything musically because, you know, I transferred to doing film probably seven now, to be honest. Um, I did actually, cause I was off today. I brought one of my guitars down, dusted it off, restrung it. And I'm I know, thinking you know, about picking it up. That. I was happy. That made me very happy up, to you know, see a little brother. bit. It's been a minute. Um, I love FBR because FBR is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Okay. Because FBR was not a serious band. We had serious music, but we were, it was the beginning of, I guess you would say, cause it's like 2010. Okay. So it's kind of like the beginning of the influencer age. And I could see where this was going. Okay. And I was like, guys, we need to do videos. And they're like, okay, let's do music videos. Says, no, 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 no. We need to do videos. So we decided to design our band. Our band ended up being somewhat like a uh, steel. Uh, what do you, what was those guys? Steel Panther. The, steel Panther. They're kind of like, we did kind of like a steel Panther. Like a spoof thing. band. We were like, yeah, we were like, we decided to be completely arrogant 80s style band guys but we did hardcore metal interesting okay, so, so people were just like index. confused right <laughs> yeah well it's so like one day we showed up in pink polo shirts and like pink pants yeah and we've got pink bandanas on and eyeliner and all that stuff and then we're throwing down thrash metal and stuff and everybody's just very confused right what the? and and we had a whole stick with it that's awesome so like one day for example, to give you an example of how ridiculous we were with it, and I came up with a lot of this crap. Shocking. Um, we showed up in Deep Ellum, which is Dallas's music strip. You sure. know what that is. Mm -hmm. I rented a limo. I had two strippers that I worked with that were friends of mine that came out, and they were our flower girls. Okay. And so the limo 
circled around the venue a couple mm-hmm. of times until people were looking. Okay. A friend of mine who was a photographer came out and he was out there waiting for us. So the limo finally pulls up so we can get out and get stuff. Out like stars. Yeah, like rock Like stars, stars right? Uh, we'd already had our gear delivered to the venue beforehand. That's awesome. And so essentially the, the door opens. Okay, let me paint the picture. The door opens. Now people are gathering around the front of this venue because they're just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> the My guys, and I told him, turn your flash up on your camera. I don't even care about pictures. Just make it look the part, right? So he's, you know, awesome. it's just flashing, flashing, flashing. The, next thing you know, two hot strippers come walking out of the limo and they've got baskets and they're just sprinkling rose petals. <laughs> On the way up to the door of the venue, we refused to walk outside of the rose petals. Yeah. I had told them to fuck up. Oh, sorry. To mess up the uh, rose petals. Mm -hmm. And so they had purposely left a a portion, a little, like, I guess you would say a couple steps on the path. To jump. And so, no, we stopped. (laughs) And so we walked up and we stopped and we looked down and we just waited. And they're just taking pictures of us. And there's a crowd because no one knows what's going on. You know, limo and who these people, right? And we waited, and it was, so it was like, and the girls came back and just heaps of, of rose petals on that one spot. <laughs> and then we walked on, and we walked to the front door, and then we had an argument that was scripted. Mm-hmm. So our band argued over who was going to open the door, because we don't open course. our own doors. <laughs> and we argued and argued and argued, so some random person walked up and opened the Jesus Christ, man, and he opened the door, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> beyond awful. and then we and then we're walking <laughs> right? was, these videos oh it was so ridiculous like we were way over the top with everything um we would mess with the other bands that played with us oh. so one day we did a show where we have you ever seen those books like vocals for dummies yeah we're like well we bought a copy of each okay. and we autographed each of them <laughs> and then the band that went on before us during their last song, we'd come on stage. Yeah. They wanted us like to they're not. <laughs> and they'd finish their song and look at us like, what the hell's going on? And we, and I would go up and just grab the singer's mic. I didn't shit. Who's going to beat me up? You know, I'd smack this taste out of your I'd, mouth. I'd, grab my somebody, mic. somebody should have. <laughs> somebody actually tried once and I won that fight. But so I grabbed <laughs> the mic and I'm like, hey, aren't these guys great, man? Aren't these guys great FBR fans in the house? Like, shout out. What's up? And, oh, everybody's cheering. I'm like, man, they're pretty great. But. They could be better. <laughs> and we're here to help with that. And so we pull out of our backpack these books. And oh, we would amazing. gift these books to these dumbfounded band members. Oh, my we God. We have no idea what's going on. And so I'm walking over giving a copy of how to play drums to their drummer. And I'm like, hey, look, we've even autographed it. So you know that they're going to get the point that's extra special now because we autographed. And just people lo- ate it up. Dude. Oh, my God. You're up. like Sasha Cohen of rock. <laughs> that's kind of what we were trying to do with that last band. You know, we were all older guys at that point. Yeah. And um, I thought that the future for bands was going to be engaging through comedic videos and stuff, which I was right about. That Dude, that still would make a great TV show. What you just did. I hope you keep if the film I wasn't and take so something busy, out of it. Man. Like if I was, I'm in. I have, I'm in. We have dude. a lot I of future stuff. All that. I'll be the singer. I'll be whatever you yeah. do. I'm in. Lots but it was a lot of fun. Me. We we had more choreography than any band I'd been in. Poison. <laughs> there was a point where there was a point where I had gotten so technologically proficient that we didn't use sound guys anymore, and that wow. was the beginning of our downfall. It pissed off sound guys across DFW. I'll bet. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Farm. Guess this. I had made it to where we just brought the amps for show. We weren't even using our amps. <laughs> That's awesome. We had our own drum mic kit. 
Yeah. So I would mic our drummer and we would plug all of our stuff into an EQ. Mm-hmm. I would EQ it. And then it would all plug into one box. Yeah. So all the sound guy did was plug an XLR in and turn us up. And, and you they were perfect. The mix is perfect. But we sounded perfect because yeah. we knew what we needed to sound like. But they were pissed. Sound I'll guys bet. hated my guts, man. Because that's their job. You know, that's you're kind of messing with their job. You know, they, hey, this is my, job, my reputation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. But it was just like, I don't give a damn, bro. Like, hey, here's a hundred bucks. Take the night off, dude. I don't yeah. care. Right. That's awesome. Well, uh, A, I definitely have to see some of these videos. I will hit you up for those. But I don't even uh, know if I have any now, but I'll look. Oh, I got to see the one of them open the door on the roses. I want to see this. Okay. Um, how did DJing enter your life? And then well, were you were you anything other than a strip club DJ? I know you did weddings, but. Um, yeah. I, 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 so the podcast is how it entered my life, believe it or not. Okay. So I've done a podcast for about 10 years called Pull Out and Run Radio. Mm-hmm. I was the run. very first. What? Pull out and run. That's very misogynistic yeah. of you. Pull out and run radio. And it's, we go by poor, P-O-A-R, poor radio. Ah. So I started it way back 10 years ago with Kenzie Raid and my friend Rick Hoban. Kenzie Raid since went on to do the Russ Martin show, which was a big local show here in DFW Okay. on the radio, right? Okay. Um, and so doing the podcast, I realized it's like, man, we have the internet, we have all this stuff. I was the first person, and I will say this proudly and loudly, and everybody can come for me all day. Well, I don't give a damn. I was the first person to stream bands live on on the internet in mm-hmm. DFW. Wow. Okay. And so our podcast was the place to go Interesting. to get that done. So Drowning Pool, the band, owned a venue in Deep Ellum called The Boiler Room. And I convinced them to give me their worst night. They were like, hey, our worst night's Wednesday night. I said, all right, cool. I'm going to do my podcast Wednesday night, and I'm going to bring a band. And we're going to call it Free the Music Wednesday. Okay. And there's no cover. You're just making your money off the Booth. bar. Yep. We don't want anything. Yeah. So it's all profit. Yeah. And I was filling their bar. That's awesome. And bands were lining up because the deal with the bands I made was I'm going to stream you live. Yeah. And give you a recording of. Yeah. And I figured out how to do it. I was the first guy to do it. You were a brilliant promoter and marketer, sir. So I was killing it doing that stuff. Yeah. Like I'm still friends with the guys trying to pull his day over, like you know, (laughs) because we were really killing it back then. And so uh, we did that, and because of that. Um, at the end of my electrical career, uh, I got fired for a Facebook post. Okay. No joke. Shocking. Um, are you shocked? Mister, yeah. I get banned every two days. Every five seconds. Yeah, I know. Um, basically, so I woke up one morning to get, go to my electrical job, but I'd woke up before my alarm. So I was up about 15 minutes early and I picked up my guitar and I just noodled around for a minute. And then I posted on Facebook sad that i have to waste my talented hands today when i could be playing guitar and my boss saw it and was pissed pissed oh poor God. called me into his office fired me on the spot i told him Fuck you i don't give a damn that kind of stuff this and that i'll just go chill i at the time i had been i had worked my way up to where i was a rappel electrician okay so i'd basically hang off the side of a building and fix the neon lights damn, like, on the ropes Yep. And you make $100 an hour doing it. Holy and shit. And I was, I was working 40 hours a week, so I was just clearing checks. You know what I'm saying? I know. Hey. Just goes to show you that, he's not, not money motivated. Not that I want to get into it, but the only reason I got into that was because I was a little suicidal at the time. Okay. My fiance had passed away, and okay. I was not in a great place. And so I was got like, it. give me any dangerous job you have. I don't care. Okay, great money, whatever. 
I don't care if I live or die. So whatever. And so I was doing that job for a while. And then I made that post and then (laughs) he came for me. He was just mad. And Mike, you know, listen, you're an electrician, right? (laughs) Guess who you work with? Rednecks. Rednecks don't have any appreciation for somebody that says something disrespectful like that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. consider that disrespectful because a lot goes into that line of work. Yeah, of course. You know? And Everything. so if you're like, oh wow, I wish I wasn't doing this crap that you peons yeah. do, do, it comes mean? off wrong. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. So basically I went home that day and I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? I've got savings, but now I want to find something else to do. I don't want to be an electrician anymore. This mm-hmm. is not me. Um, I'm going to take a chance on myself and I'm going to make a living doing what I want to do. Awesome. And so I came up with a game plan and I started selling our podcast to local bars. Okay. And I would basically go to them and say, here's the deal. I want 10% of your bar take and you give me the worst night of the week and I will pump it up and you'll make money and I'll make money. And it, I made a living for like two years. That's amazing. Just doing pull out and runs podcast out of bars. That's amazing. And we would do it like two or three days a week. Um, went from there kind of thing. And so essentially, um, I had bought a house that me and her were supposed to live in and Mm -hmm. now it's just alone. You know, it's just me. Right. Right. And essentially, um, a friend of mine needed a place to stay and I was like, I'm not going to say his name because people would know, you know? Okay. I was like, okay, you know, come, yeah, you rent a room for me. It's all good, bro. Come on in. I've known this guy forever, like since high school. Right. Okay. And I was 29 at the time. Right. So um, I was DJing the end of the nights for our podcast because we would okay. do our podcast. People would come see it live. We would do the band or whatever. And then there's always that like 11 to 2 where the bar is right. still open. I'm responsible for it. I got to get my check anyway. So I started volunteering DJ. So I started Googling videos on how to DJ and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and like talking to people and just like listening to the audience and what they like and learning music that was outside of my purview and mm-hmm. things that I had never would have listened to before, I guess you would say. Yeah. And it went from there and I started doing really well. You know, DJing is uh, as much as I like to make fun of DJs and say it's not being a musician. It is. It is. There's a lot that goes in DJing that is musical oriented. And I just took to that because that's been my life. You Absolutely. Know? So <clears throat> it came to me really easily. You know, again, I'm not top dog DJ kind of crap, but it just came to me easily. And I'm always like, you know me, I like to learn. So I, yeah. I'm always looking to improve and learn. And so basically one day um, I come home and my buddy is like, dude, I'm sick. Can you go fill in for me at work? And I'm like, I don't even know what you do because he's, he'd never told me. And so, you know, if you have a break to go to where I can ask you if I can even talk about what he actually did for clubs before I say what, because this is how I got into DJing. And I don't know if I want to say it, man. Like your call. I'm not scared. It's up to you. Well, okay. I don't care. I mean, what are they going to do to me? All right. Essentially, he operated a, a after hours market for drinks. Oh, okay. When you're not supposed to. Speak easy. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So uh, I was like, I guess I'll fill in for you. Yeah, sure. Because you're sick and you're my buddy and I don't want you to get fired or anything. Like, I'm not, they, I don't know if they fire people for that or whatever. But, <laughs> anyways, uh, so I filled in for him for a little bit. Right. And then um, I would pick him up from work. And so one day I went to pick him up from work and the manager came over and was like, dude, I recognize your voice. We're like, what the hell? And it was, he listened to my podcast, like Plotman Radio. And he was like, man, you should be a DJ. And I was like, no, you know, he's like, have you ever worked in a strip club? I was like, no. 
They say, oh, well, you'd be great at it. I was like, okay, well, thanks. Anyways, where's my buddy? I'm trying to go home. <laughs> and um, literally two days later, I go to pick up my friend and their DJ at the time, who they called Bullet Hole, <laughs> because he had been shot at before, and he continued Not to wear the shirt. DJ. Not a good sign as a DJ, just saying. He continued to wear the shirt that had the bullet hole in it because he thought it was like a pride thing or something. I don't know. Not, I, right? And not the rainbow sort of pride. This is different. No, just yeah. just dumb, dumb pride here. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I have been shot at before, bro. Like, that's not. I'm, I'm like, that's not a, you know. Look, my shirt looks like Deadpool. Him, yeah, they call him DJ Bullet Holes. So, like, he walked out. Shocking, okay. right? Yeah, shocking. Yeah, it's happened to a lot of DJs. I've done yeah. it before. Okay. Sad to say. Yeah. Uh, I was totally justified, I will say, to the day I die on that walkout, but because um, some guys were leaving drinks on my laptop, and then one of them wanted to fight me, and I was like, bro, I'll fight you, believe me. It just was not a big deal. <laughs> so let me clarify, Anyways, listeners, when you request a song, you're drunk ass, please do not have your drink hovering over all our equipment, no, or put your this was drink the, down this on was any of our equipment. Club, this was the club hired guest DJs. Oh, God. They were putting their drinks on my laptop after I'd already told them, this is my laptop, don't do that. Dude, you're a DJ. How do you not know that? How do you not know better? They were, dude, they were intentionally disrespecting me, straight up. Because when I went in the second time and caught them doing it, and I was like, I already warned y'all, what's going on with this? They literally told me, uh, well, we wouldn't be here doing your job if you were a good DJ. Like the wow. guest DJ said it to me. And I grabbed that little skinny mother by his throat yeah. and shirt and picked him up with one hand <laughs> and slammed him on the wall. I was like, say that again, bro. You're in my booth. Like, that's crazy yeah, to say yes. to me. It was a whole, man, I could tell you off the air about that fiasco. <laughs> um, and I, I ended up walking out of that job, though, because I went to the management. And I was like, you're just going to let this happen? Yeah. And they're like, let's talk about it after work. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, basically, so I ended up bullet hole walks out. I'm waiting for my friend to get off work. They stick me up in the DJ booth. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I apparently did pretty well. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they're like, hey, we want to hire you full time. Um, we're going to have you trained by this guy. I don't want to say his name either because some people might know him. Come in tomorrow at 630 for training. Okay. And me coming from construction and regular jobs. 630 in the morning. No, I just Did you I, show I knew him six thirty in the morning at the strip club. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> That's funny though. <laughs> no, I know, I, I, but I knew it was six thirty, right? So six thirty okay. at night. So I show up at six thirty, like six twenty-five. Yeah, he probably came in around like nine ten. I was a little early. I come up there and I walk in the booth, and this DJ is supposed to train me is getting a blowjob <laughs> in the DJ booth, and I'm looking at him. He turns around, he looks at me. I'll never forget. He turns, looks at me, he goes, "Why are you early?" <laughs> And I was like, bro, they told me 6.30. I'm here on time. Well, get out. I'm busy. Come back when I'm not busy. I was like, all right, bet. I don't want to see that. And right, I literally so, walked out of the DJ booth, and I almost walked away forever. Because I was like, this may not be for me. This yeah, is right? crazy. So this is know? not the norm. Let me, let me clarify for our listeners. While I have heard of this story here and there, this is mm -hmm. certainly not the norm in our industry. <laughs> it isn't. It's never happened since that first gig. I've worked with other clubs. I've had other DJs train me, and I've never gone through that again. I couldn't believe it, but it was that was my introduction to this business. Wow. And quite frankly, I think it's apropos. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to argue that. So you became a strip club DJ. That's how I met you, mm -hmm. through Panda, the Professional mm -hmm. Adult Nightclub DJ Association. Uh, I met you at the New Orleans Expo, I believe, right? Yes. In person. In person. But obviously, in we person. got to know each other yeah, in the talked, yeah. forum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think one of the great things about being a DJ, like you said, is that you get exposed to so many different styles of music. If you're a music fan, 
to me mm -hmm. music is good music is good music mm -hmm. i don't care what the genre is i like stuff in mm -hmm. every genre uh i don't understand being closed-minded if you really love music about any mm -hmm. genre um and i'm thankful that djing has opened me to you know tens of thousands of songs that i never would have listened to probably. oh my god yes there's music i listen to now that i never would have listened to before yeah completely 100 agree for someone who loves music that's it's a blessing you know and you get to go discover me even though i haven't actively dj now in years i still for the podcast do all sorts of research and still you know go download music and find music oh yeah it's like a habit i love it at that point because yeah. it's just fun now it's yeah. not about doing your job you know absolutely and and while you bring it up if you don't mind i'll give a 10 second shout out shout out to panda um i really love this organization me too. i've met a lot of great great people i think the organization has done some great things and i think that overall the organization has helped dancers more than DJs. Interesting. I do because I've met dancers that have been like, I prefer working with people that are pandas. Like oh, they wow. just seem to be generally better guys. Like they don't harass you. They don't shout at you. We all have our moments. We have our bad days. I mean, you yeah. know, we do, we work in a high stress environment, which has taken some lives, you know, shout out to Ramsey and Glenn and, you know, Eric Moon recently and like yeah, the rest of Bobby. There's so many guys we've lost in the last year. Yeah. Um, because it, to me, is a high-stress environment. I don't Very blame much. drugs. I don't blame the fact that we work all, all night long. It's just the stress, man. Like, a lot of guys don't get a chance to breathe. You yeah. know, you're the party all night long. It is what it is. But I have worked with dancers who have said, like, I prefer working with pandas because I just know what I'm getting. Yeah. You know? Well, and he is so I've professional. Tried, yeah. Well, and I always tried in my time because, man, they deal with enough crap. You know, yeah. oh, a hundred percent. The guys, the guys they deal with outside of the DJ booth, we're not supposed oh. to be those guys. Exactly. Thank you. you know? And so, I, I just want to shout out Panda, especially because it's a supportive organization. Young DJs, this is the greatest resource you'll ever get. You guys put out lists, you put out songs. You can really acclimate yourself quickly. Yeah. You can meet people that are willing to help you. That actually care that you succeed. You know, yeah. like shout out to David Holm, for example. He cares when people succeed. Like he works yeah. hard to get people to succeed. And uh, David is the Bucks uh, cabaret. Uh, head yeah, DJ. he's the he's the man of Bucks. Yeah, he's well deserved. Awesome. Great DJ. Shout out. Um, to there's a lot of there's a lot of guys like that. Like Dylan Boyd was that way. You yeah. know, uh, since exited the business. Yeah. Um, I can name names all day long. Shane Sugar Shane, as I call him, who trained me at Men's Club back in the okay. day. Okay. Um, there's a lot of great guys that are part of the organization. There's also a lot of guys that have stumbled through their toes. Yeah. Um, me being one of them, I've shown my ass in that organization a time or 10, you know, so I get it. <laughs> uh, my, my one regret is that it took me so long to wise up um, where I, at one point you guys had come and asked me if I wanted to take on a leadership role. I knew better. I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a regret of mine because I have shown my ass on times and I have been an ass on times. I was a young kid doing, you know, who knows what and just trying to figure everything out and all that stuff. No excuses for me because I'm not an excuses person. But I like how the organization has continued to just evolve, even with the boneheads, if you will. Yeah. Um, in fact, shout out Jerry Butler, who was the first panda of the year and is now a recovered drug addict doing yep. very well. Doing very well. And Happy now for him. he is making an impressive impact on other people's lives who are struggling with addiction. Yeah. Which is something I know about because yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020 turned me into a full blown alcoholic. Wow. It's something wow. I didn't realize until January this year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not currently working for mm -hmm. that reason. That environment may not be the best for me right now yeah. while I'm trying to just kick it. Um, and I am 
down about 60%. I've been tracking my drinks since January, 60% less drinking. Great. Good. Working out. I feel healthier, getting some sleep, all that good stuff. Um, but a lot of guys battle addiction in this industry. A lot of them don't want to speak about it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, it also might put off people, prospective employers from hiring you. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hire the meth head. You know, like yeah, right, right. no one wants to hire the guy who's smelling his keys in between rotation. You right. know, well, you need someone who's dependable at the end of the day. And, and exactly. These are companies, business, so. they're companies, they're a business, they're trying to get their job done. Um, yes, the DJ has to party to an extent to be with it, to get with the crowd, but there's a level you take it this too much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we all have to find that level for ourselves you because find, no yeah, one's going to tell you. You got to find what's right and works for you. Like, you know, I was in the booth for 25 years and I definitely drank wow, too 25. much. And, yeah, and had a good time. Yeah. And after a certain point, actually when my son came around, so about 20, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, uh, is when, you know, when I started living my life for someone other than me, is when mm-hmm. A, it got much more fulfilling and then B, it became a business. Like I got to right. have this job to pay the bills, to raise him, yes. give him a, you know, fund, you know, a strong foundation to, to, yes. to grow from, you know, and props to you, man. I'm, I'm proud of you uh, for a acknowledging this within yourself and seeing it and making the changes to try and make yourself happier and better. Just even in the, the decade I've known you, you've, you know, I've watched you grow and evolve emotionally and professionally, and it's been great to watch. And I, I know you'd be a great leader whenever you choose to step in that role. But one thing I want to talk about, which again, to tie it all together, self-taught, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. motivated. You see mm-hmm. something, you go and you smash it out of the park. I try. How did you find this love for TV and movies? Like, so let, let me tell you something, people. James, as you have already heard, is funny. He's talented, and on his own, he has produced, written, directed, and acted in some of his own movies. All self-taught, all the cinematography, all that stuff, self-funded. He pays his actors. All on his own, schedules it while working mm-hmm. all these other jobs. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So let me go. So go see his movies first of all. Uh, the ones on Amazon Prime or what? Project Galaxy. That's not available anymore. Oh, it's not. Okay. So no. he has five, four movies that I know of at least that are. Out. There's four Project movies Galaxy. and a TV show and a fifth on the way. Okay, so we have Project Galaxy. It's just that was my us. first. Yes, it's the just talent- us. Is still available right now. It's on Tubi and Plex. Okay, so those are like free streaming platforms. Um, unfortunately it's just us was supposed to also be on Amazon prime. Like the rest of my stuff was, but it dropped like, so 2020, I flew to New York in February to celebrate my birthday with my sister. Cause I had just signed a deal with AMC and with prime to take that film. And we were supposed to make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, two months later, COVID dropped and then everything was done. Yeah. They were like, okay, well this is a, uh, it's a clause in a contract where like, you know, basically unintended god stuff. Yeah, of course yeah yeah like, like if you have home insurance and they're like hey man lightning struck my house like they're not gonna be like hey would you have lightning insurance like that's not a thing there's like god stuff right right and so um i just did what i could with it at that point the lesser streaming services if you will were just buying content because they just needed anything because everybody's home right now watching everybody's tv home watching. and yeah. hollywood shut down so they're not getting their usual stuff um, eventually I did, and it was the fight of my life. It was the second hardest thing I've ever done. Okay. Finishing the film I just finished two days ago was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yep. The second hardest was... thing I ever did was to put um, IJU into a theater in November of 2020 yeah, and to let them, they let me fill the theater in the middle of pandemic shutdown protocols. That's awesome. Crazy. So that was It's Just Us. Then you also have the uh-huh. talent process, retribution, and That's circuit. the one S- that we just e- finished. And then circuit is S E R K E T. So, which is being renamed talent process reprieve. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. I did see a, a note about that. All right. Yeah. So, so let, we let me, started this me... film seven years ago and we just finished it two days ago. Wow. I, I've watched you work mm. on it and, and shoot bits and pieces and fits and starts rewrite. It's been fascinating. We call it the cursed film for a reason. Yeah. And I know you had to change leads <laughs> at one point. And like, so it's the first script I ever wrote. Oh, really? It's the first script I wrote it way before Project Galaxy or anything else. First okay. script I ever wrote. And we went to shoot it. And basically, I cast an actor halfway through. He got a big role in Hollywood and left. <laughs> Thanks. And so we were out all the money we'd spent shooting the half of the film, et cetera, oh. et cetera. Um, I was really angry and I did not realize that was a thing that could happen, which mm-hmm. was in hindsight, like stupid of me not it's to plan business. for something like that. Yeah. It is just, I'm not mad at him okay. at any, by any stretch of imagination because, dude, he went for a better opportunity. Great. You know, yeah. left us high and dry shirt. But um, we basically, I, I wrote Project Galaxy because I went to Sherm, my producer and co partner. I was like, can you act? He was like, you can't act. So I guess I'll be fine. I was like, damn, you're right. (laughs) So I wrote a script based around us because I knew that we couldn't fire us and that neither (laughs) one of us would quit. Literally. That's the only reason Project Galaxy exists is because I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to write a script where it's like us. That's awesome. And so I hurriedly wrote that script and then I went over it, revised it. Then um, we went and shot it over the course of a year. And funny stories for that. Uh, one of my actresses actually got a uh, nose job in the middle of filming. Without <laughs> oh, thank you. Asking me without telling anybody. And so basically we wrote into the script where my character, who me and her character didn't get along, I punched her in the nose Brilliant. in a scene so that we could cover her nose for the rest of the film. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that we could cover the fact that she had nose surgery. <laughs> this is, and I, you know, this is why I love you, man. So how did you teach yourself all this stuff? So what, what came first? So you wrote the script. Apparently, a long time ago. FBR. Huh? FBR is why. I'm only doing this because of that last band. I told them. I said, guys, the future is going to be videos. The way to promote, get across. We we need to be funny, entertaining. We need to do like, like I was basically trying to get them to do the the back then day version of TikToks, if you will. Okay. Okay. So so I was like, dude, why why in the hell would we pay somebody to do our music videos when I could just buy a camera and do it ourselves? See, this, that's you, though. You understand how differently wired you are, right? Oh, I'm really weird, yeah. No, but pe- but that's great, though. <laughs> but look at all look at all it's brought you. I mean, Matt, I have so much respect for you. I really do. Uh, for the I appreciate that. Say that. Feelings mutual, believe me. Thank you. So, listen, everybody. Go check out Real Unicorn Productions. Go check out his movies, Project Galaxy. It's just us. Uh, and Funny Money, his uh, sitcom, uh, I say that loosely, about yeah. the strip club industry. It's, at least it's set in a strip club. It's funny it is. Shit. Actually, we're we're about done with season two's right. writing phase, so yes. we're going to do a season two. I, I, um, want it, I want in. I want a cameo or write something for me. I would love to have you come in a cameo. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I'm in. I'm I, can in. Even, I can even Zoom a cameo with you. Dude. Uh, I, I was actually... I was talking about you and our showrunner Casey Jones, who's a local comedian. Uh-huh. He's open for people like Doug Stanhope and stuff at the Addison Improv. Um, he's my showrunner for it now. Okay. He's handling it because I'm busy, man. Um, but I told him I was like, I think it'd be funny to have a scene where the DJ is getting yelled at by like a boss over Zoom. Yes. While he's while he's DJing and he's he's trying to get to his program, but you keep popping up in his in his laptop. I thought it'd be and you'd be the perfect guy for that. It'd be hilarious. I could do it. I'm I'm in. I'm in. And hey, I'll, All day. if anyone in person, I will be in Dallas in May. I'll tell you about that. Oh, one. nice. Okay. But yeah, right. but to finish up that question real quick, um, that's how I got into doing film because I was like, we're doing music videos for our band. And the next thing I know, my friends were like, we should do a movie movie. 
And I was like, we don't know what we're doing enough for that. And they're like, yeah, screw it. We'll do it anyways. I was like, all right, fine. Incredible. And here Incredible. we are. <laughs> so real quick, a couple more music questions for you. Who, who sure. are your favorite bands? Top oh, three. my God. Nevermore. Nevermore. Oh, they're great. Nevermore. Top of my head, man. Immediately. Megadeth, obviously. Okay. Um, great, great. Elton John. Elton John. Okay, so Megadeth, I have the snarehead from the Euthanasia recording session. So yes. I knew Nick Menz. I was living in Phoenix when they were recording out there. And Nick and Dave Ellison and uh, the producer, uh, Norman, Max Norman, used to come in uh, the Christie's. Yeah. It was yeah. Christie's now. It was Tiffany's back then. And I used to go drinking uh, Goldschlager with them all the time. Oh, I got stories for you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a cheesy guy. Hangar 18 is my favorite. Okay. I, I, no, I yeah, yeah. yeah. No, their old stuff's the best stuff yeah. but that, that, their commercial mainstream success came yeah. with those two right off the top of my head those are the easy ones i love fleetwood mac um oh, i love Fleetwood mac too huge into huge into obviously pantera yeah. uh corrosion conformity wow you know audio slave arch enemy there's i could throw out a lot of those. okay what about non-rock incubus incubus, incubus so, what non-rock acts are you into oh my gosh non-rock Ooh, you got me in that one uh i like CeeLo green love CeeLo's. um yeah. I really like I really like Jax Jones. Yes. Um we had him on the show. Galantis. Yep. Um shout out DJ Mike D for helping yes, all Yes, my man Mike. I just got to like, hang out with him and Mr. He is Gray. amazing, man. That guy's yeah. great. I by the way, I sub his Patreon. Sub his Patreon is $5 and he gives you all kinds of remixes. Like yes. it's 5 bucks a month. Seriously, so support just him. Show him a little love there. Yeah, you've been on the show. Um, He's been on the show too. Yeah. So. Mr. Collie Park also great remixes. I love Collie Park stuff and um, Delirious and Alex K great remixes. Yes, um, but but yeah, outside of that, I would say that I've got a, I've got some weird tastes out of there. Um, like I like Zion and Archangel. Yeah, uh, that's more reggaeton, reggaeton. I guess you would yeah. say. I like um, I kind of like Kane Brown's country. I hate country music in general, but I can kind of stomach his. I guess you'd say. I like Chris Stapleton because he can actually sing. My biggest problem with yeah. male country singers. <laughs> Is they usually have no range. Yeah, there's very little dynamic. He can sing his ass off, Stapleton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, right. Mm-hmm. All right, and then yeah. All right, here we go. We've been having fun already, but you're going to appreciate this next part of the show. You ready to okay. have some fun? Always, James Randall. You are now on the hot seat. These are the modified questions, as made famous by Benab Pivot and James Lipton on Inside <laughs> the Actor's Studio. Are okay. you ready? Yes. James Randall, what is your favorite word? Fuck. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Fuck. Hey, <laughs> ah, caramba. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Accomplishment. Okay. What turns you off? Dishonesty. What is your favorite curse word? I think I know the answer to this. My favorite curse word? Yeah. Because- Hot damn. Finally, you're the first person to not use fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with that word because I feel yeah. like it's it's very expressive and it conveys what you want to convey at the time. But I also feel like it makes you sound less educated. I, I can see that. I, so my so by the way, if you uh, if you want to hear a master's class in in cussing and swearing, mm-hmm. go watch Deadwood and listen to mm-hmm. Swearingen. Okay. Have <laughs> you ever watched Deadwood? I've heard of this, but okay. I've not. Swearingen is the the bar owner, keep prostitute uh, yeah. whorehouse guy, and he's okay. He's this cocksucker motherfucker. It's an art form. He's all the way it's like okay. Shakespearean <laughs> cussing. I'm serious. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, okay, uh, James Randall. What sound or noise do you love? Mm. 
this is going to be super corny. Mm-hmm. I love hearing my girlfriend's story. Snore? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. Look at you. Because she's guy. out, man. She, My girl works really hard. Um, I, She does so much so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she snores like a log, bro. Like she's <laughs> like she's hammering down the entire Amazon rainforest by herself with just her mouth being the chainsaw blade. But wow. when she's when she's out snoring like yeah. that, you know, I'm just like, okay, she's happy, she's at peace, she's getting rest, you know, like so I, I've grown to love that noise <laughs> almost as much as I've grown to love the noise of my dog barking at me. Like she my dog barks when you come home, she's very excited. Zelda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Miss Zelda. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Man, I have to say uh, Lizzo's voice. <laughs> Did not Unfortunately, see that I, I just worked with a DJ that played Lizzo endlessly, relentlessly, mm-hmm. relentlessly, relentlessly. To the point where I would come into work and it'd be six o'clock at night and I'm there early. And between six and six thirty, I'd hear him play the same Lizzo song three times. What the hell's wrong and with I him? You never play a song three times. Bro, I kept telling him, dude, you're. You've played this 10 minutes ago. No, I didn't. I'd show him the history. He'd be like, oh, wow. See, marijuana kills that. Uh, so now I, now I despise Lizzo, not because oh. I've ever really sat down and listened to her, right. but because I've had to hear it so many times yeah. repeated that it's annoying. I like Lizzo, but yeah, I get why. I totally understand why. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's her fault, to be honest. It's this will be interesting, by the way, this next question, mm-hmm. because you've done so much. What profession, other than your own, would you like mm-hmm. to attempt? What do you mean attempt? Oh, attempt. 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 Oh, yeah, man. Profession. I'd like to be a fighter jet pilot. Ooh. Cool. Yeah. I am deathly afraid of flying in planes. I mm-hmm. had to fight to even go to pandemoniums and stuff. Like I had to fight. I'm, I'm over it now. My okay, sister's good. a flight attendant for American Airlines. So okay. she helped me a lot because she does it every day for work. And I'm just like, you're insane. You know, because <laughs> the plane hiccups and I'm like, oh, we're dead. You know, like, but for some reason. And I and last time I was in San Diego, I got some fighter jets with some friends and stuff. And they you can do all that museum yeah. tours, battleships, Miramar. and stuff. San Diego, love San Diego, by the way. Yes, the only bastion of California left to attend. Yeah. But uh, man, awesome. I don't know. I I would just love to just. Yeah. But I'm a big sports car fan. I've got a Challenger SRT8. I've definitely go out and do 100 miles an hour when I shouldn't sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But a fighter jet that I can deal with. Like you're in complete control. I'm not being flown by somebody. It's you in the cockpit okay. and you got all that power behind you. You just zoom anywhere. Oh, yeah. man. If ever I was to become rich off a of film or something, I will be the guy that's like dead from buying some old beat up Russian fighter jet. Try to <laughs> fix it in my barn and fly it over my crops. <laughs> you're still going to do it. Here's what I predict. You're going to have a hit movie and you're going to do it and you're going to do it like Tom, you'll be hanging out with Tom Cruise. You guys will both be flying like chasing each other. <laughs> I doubt it. I'm actually somewhat taller than Tom Cruise. He wouldn't like me. Oh, oh. <laughs> A lot of people are taller than Tom Cruise. I'm 5'9", man. I'm like a giant. You're huge. 5'9", <laughs> you little munchkin. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? I don't want to go back to doing construction ever again. Okay. But also, I would add office work. Um, I don't, I just, I don't have the patience for the politics. Yeah. It's not about the job. It, it, it's it's sad to me this to this day and age where you can go clock in, you're making $15 an hour to crunch numbers on a computer. No one should ever talk to you, to be honest. You're just crunching numbers. They don't have to give you any information. They don't have to pick up any printouts. You're just there crunching numbers. And yet somehow the a-hole, whether they're male or female, in the cubicle next to you has to make your life their business. Hey, how are you doing? They're playing their music all loud. You don't like it. It's just stupid, man. 
And then if 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 you, I hate any business where if you aren't liked, quote unquote, you can't advance. Judge me by my merit, not by whether you think I'm cool or not. Sadly, that's a lot of a lot of jobs I've learned in my mm-hmm. life that it's usually not about business; it's more about ego. That has been a big problem of mine over the last ten years. Is I really don't play that game. Yeah, if you don't every, like me, almost cool. every business I don't like I've you seen. Either, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the big one. Here's the modified question, James Randall. If modified. heaven exists, what musician or artist, musical artist, would you most like to jam with when you cross into the pearly gates? Oh, that's a. Hmm. Hmm. Huh? Wow. Huh? That's a good one, right? Oh, well, I didn't see that one coming. Damn. Damn. Right? I'm going to have to go with... Not Dime. I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix. Okay. I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix. I don't think he was the greatest guitar player or whatever. I think he just had the most passion. And, and I would like to see things through his eyes as far as the passion he brought to the music. Not that I think he could teach me anything crazy. I'm sure technical. he could. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's not about technical at that point. It's about when Jimmy played a lick, you felt it. I've seen his videos, you know, too. and, uh, you know, he, he had a he had a, a knack for things. You know, he it just it seemed like it didn't just come natural to him. It seemed like it was him, if yeah. that makes sense. And so getting a glimpse into that, being able to hang out with him, jam with him even. When you jam with somebody, do you play instruments, Elon? I sing. So I I mean I Okay. That's yeah. that's the same thing. It's an instrument. You yeah. know what it's like when you get into a room with people and you actually experience them jamming. It's a different feeling. It's a different story. You actually it hits you differently. And when you're a musician and you're trying to bring something into that, you're like this team that no one can understand. One thousand. You know, so like you, you kind of gain from them, you get from them, you give to them as well. And so for me, I think that the passion he had would match mine, and I would like to see his perspective from it because his style is so much the opposite of my style. You know, mm-hmm. um, I also have some blues influence, but he's very bluesy and also like just really creative with, with the way he uses chords and stuff. Yeah. And I, there would there would be times where I was writing songs and I would play weird chords as they would call it, and my band would be like, "Why are you using this weird chord?" I'm like, "Dude, it fits the mood of what we're doing." And they're like, "Oh, this is not you know, this is not acceptable metal. Of, we're gonna play fucking straight eights or whatever it is, or you know, check 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 zero 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 zero. Or you're not in B flat. Oh my god, it's not metal, you know." <laughs> and but Jimi Hendrix didn't give a damn. He was just no. like, "Yo, I'm playing this and I'm rocking this, and you're rocking it with me, whether you like it or not." And I feel like there's a lot I could gain from him that would add to the fire. I already feel like I have. Yeah. That makes I sense. think with Jimmy, you know, he was so innovative. People have to put in perspective the time he came out. He did so much stuff that no one had done yet or combined things that, or thought right. of th- he thought outside the box th- of what was already there. And that's right. why he, and he was technically very good, especially for the time. It's like when oh, you listen to Jimmy Page play, his, obviously his songwriting, his rhythm playing is phenomenal. His lead playing, when you listen now, you're like, eh. But what he did was so different, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that it was unique and original. And I think that's what people forget about those older artists. I but, think that's uh, a very insightful. The fact that you said that he played outside of, you know, what the time was bringing. I think Jimmy really moved the genre. Forward. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think that towards the end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s, it was kind of getting stale as far yep. as rock goes. Uh, I know some people will be offended by that, but let's be honest. 
it was kind of like the sixties had blown through with Elvis and everything else. And it was kind of like at a point and, yep. and there just needed to be like somebody to spark something different. Yeah. And I, I kind of liken what Jenny and people will hit me for this too. I kind of liken what Jimmy did for that time frame for what Kirk Cobain and Nirvana did for the nineties. I was about to say that and to it me, it just, goes Jimmy. Yeah. And Van Halen blew that up. Mm-hmm. Nirvana mm-hmm. and Kurt Cobain blew that mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone's blown it up to the same level that those guys have in rock. Oh man. Rock is just, I hate to say rock is dead. Cause I know that's not it's true. Not. There, it's just not there are people out there keeping it alive, but man, yeah. rock has fallen off. Like yeah, I, I don't, I, I get flaxed to this day because I'm one of the few people that plays rock and strip club still. It seems like, yeah. And now mind you, what I do now is I completely play old school songs, yeah. read remastered, Remix, if you want to re-drums, call it, so like re-drums. metal bands doing old songs. Oh, okay. Like, like kind of um, what, I think it's Lost in the Covers. Fire that does the uh, that does the the In Chains Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Kendrick does a great cover of um, listen to the wind blow, damn you love, damn you love. um, the chain, the chain, yeah, the chain, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly stuff like that. Like Lacuna Coil does a great one. Yeah. Um. And they're all older songs that people recognize, you know? Yes. So the crowd might be like, okay, this is rock. But when that chorus hits, you know, like yeah. even, um, even ice, um, ice, he's turned down for what version is a yeah. banger. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. hardcore metal. So your club may not allow you to play. Right. It, but if you have that, that clout, you can get away with it. And the yeah. crowd just is like, what is this? Yeah. And it's like, Oh man, turn down for what? I know this. Like, yeah. Know. Rock covers of, of like hip hop songs or pop songs. Or I would encourage yeah. DJs. Listen, man, if you're really looking to get rock into your set and you feel like, okay, because everyone's tired of corn and disturbed and the same old bullshit, counting bodies like sheep. Everyone, everyone's played it to death. You know, right. if you really want to shock your crowd and, and get them into it, if you're in the middle of a busy night and you have to drop a rock song, some clubs have formats where you have to play rock right. or country or whatever. Man, do something like that. Pick an old school song that's done by a modern metal band so it sounds good and it's heavy hitting. And also the crowd can know, they, I've heard this song. They know the hook. Yeah, like there's, for example, um, there's a cover of DJ Falling in Love Again, the Pitbull song. There's a rock cover for it that Her Bright Skies, I believe, is who does it. Amazing. And it <laughs> kills every time I play it because they're like, oh, I know this song. Right. You got to send know? me that one. I don't have that one. All right, bet. Yeah, but, well, hey, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. We'll have to do this again sometime. I want to thank yes, DJ James Randall, Real Unicorn Productions, the movies again, Project Galaxy. It's just us coming soon. The talent process uh, circuit, which is being renamed November. We're going for November. There we go. And then Funny Money, his uh, TV show season two coming soon. Actually, and- Funny Money is still available on Amazon Prime. Yes, it is. But it's not free anymore. You have to actually pay for it. And that's OK. He needs to earn a but little bit. But it's a. Funny Money did us a lot of good because now we're not just in two countries. We're in five. Bam! So we went from we went from being only in America and Britain mm-hmm. to now being America, Britain, Germany, Hungary, and Austria. That's awesome. See, my, my yeah. home country. And then Pull Out and Run Radio is still around, like, on YouTube. We're on hiatus right now because oh, we're are. that busy. Okay. All right. We did our 400th episode a couple months ago, and we've been shut down since. Wow. Um, but we're looking to restart that too as soon as we can. Um, and that's on every podcast platform for Spotify. There you go. Much and the old episodes are still up. Check it out too. It's Absolutely. very much not safe for work though. And where else could you have a website or social media so people can follow you? We do have a really unicorn.com, but we, I haven't updated it forever that we, I will be updating it. You can find all of our stuff on Facebook and YouTube and all the usual stuff. You just type in real unicorn or my name, James Randall, or the project's name, um, whether it's, it's just us, funny money, TTP retribution, all that stuff. 
it's all available on all the typical sites. Um, it's funny because uh, so when I'm out like casting and stuff, and people are like, "Oh my god, I've seen your stuff," or "Who are you?" or this or that, I always tell them, "Hey, you can Google me. I'm the guy right after the serial killer." I was gonna so say, like, I was gonna, that was my it's like no joke. That. If you Google James Randall, a serial killer comes up, and then I'm the next guy. Like, all right, so to be clear, he is not the serial killer I'm of the Tampa like... Bay uh, 95, 96 serial killings. Yeah, James Randall right? spelled the same. He's in jail. That guy's got two life sentences. Yeah. This is my friend, James Randall, who is quite awesome and not a threat to you. So we'll end on that note. Thanks again, man. Right, brother. Great having you on. You've been listening to Behind the Curtain of What's Hot in the Strip Club podcast. Check us out on all major streaming platforms or our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. I'm Elon Fong, and thank you for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Thanks for listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs with Danny Myers and Alon Fong, presented by Panda and Strip Joints Music. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.